to our uh, text here tonight, Revelation 22. Last week, as, I, as we finished out that uh, passage before us, we saw John just, just overwhelmed with the vastness of everything that was being revealed to him. We got to remember that, that John was a guy like us. We got to remember, remember that about all, all of these men. You know, in James, it talks about Elijah was a man with a nature like us. These are all sinners saved by grace. And look at absolutely God had a special call in office for John and these other apostles that he used to pin the scriptures with. But they're still, you know what, men, men like us and human like us. Let's remember one point, John asked Jesus if he could call down fire to torch a bunch of Samaritans, you know. <laughs> and the Lord says, hey, I came to save lives, not to destroy them. Slow your roll, John. And, uh, you know, it, I, I love it because the scriptures really just, you know, it, it, it paints the real picture of, of mankind that we're sinners and we desperately need the Lord. And John, in the midst of this revelation, and remember, it's the second time it, it's happened now, he's just overwhelmed with, again, this is a revelation of Jesus Christ, not just end-time stuff. And indeed, it is a revelation of end-time stuff as well as current events, you know, into that millennial reign of Christ, new heaven and new earth. It's, it's vast. I mean, absolutely, look at it. It was the grace of God and the Holy Spirit of God propping him up in this, this revelation, this vision he was receiving the whole time. There's no way a a man in himself would be able to take all this in and pin all this. The Holy Spirit's moving on him greatly to do that. But still, even in the midst of it, in the midst of the emotion of all of it, even the declaration, the second one, that the Lord's coming quickly. Remember, John was just so overwhelmed by his, his emotion that his emotion got the best of him. And right in the midst of this vision, he goes down and begins to worship this angel who the Lord is giving the revelation to and is giving it to John and it's being recorded for us. And you know what? The angel doesn't say, well, that's all fine and good. You know, it's emotional. So if your emotions, if you're emotional and sincere, even though it goes against God's word, it's okay. Because remember, we're, we're not called to worship angels. We're called to worship God. Agents, angels are, are fellow servants and ministering spirits and so forth. And, you know, we saw that correction from that angel. He, he gently corrected him and he pointed him back to the word of God. And he said to worship God. And again, it was the second time it happened there within the last few chapters even. And you know what? I do believe that there is around, a, you know, a, well, again, there's the lesson to let's worship God. Let's go to the word of God. Again, emotions can be good and God's blessed us with emotions. Sometimes they're not a blessing at all, but let's make sure that God's word triumphs over our emotions because again if we're just led by our emotions we're worse off than a city without a wall around it and look at uh, I don't want to start preaching that again because we're recapping but I do encourage you with this you know what if, if you're one that oftentimes you know what that if your emotions get the best of you you know what take that to the Lord in prayer and there's so many scriptures that even address emotions and let god's word come in and renew your mind because god wants to help you with that and then i think on the other hand there's some folks they just lose all emotion you know they're like a they're like a callus walking around or something look at we we want to walk with mercy and compassion and so forth and we even talked about how you know we want to be a people to get stirred up and get angry when there's 
you know what injustices and lies and false gospels but we don't want to sin we want to respond again in a biblical manner and way and then again i think the other encouragement you know at least of of many that i just got from that scene recorded twice is again just the fact that sometimes we do a repeat performance with sin don't we anyone ever been there before i mean you go back to genesis and abraham you know a second time he tells a king that his wife is his sister now again technically half sister the genetics were still good enough look it it works out in god's in god's kingdom and his word but still went back to that well two times trying to preserve himself versus trusting in the lord and you see john and revelation and the revelation of jesus christ twice going down and literally committing idolatry and worshiping this angel and look how good god is just to correct and to stay with and to be faithful with us and maybe you're here tonight and maybe there's been something you've been wrestling with and going through and you know what it's like man another another failure you know what look to your god let your god pick you up let your god restore you learn from that and press forward and i'm really looking forward to this sunday we're going to be in psalm 103 and why 103 because before we started into romans we stopped in psalm 102 and we kind of do some psalms in between whatever book we're in but i just love the line where it says that god remembers we're but dust and uh he's faithful to us and he's good to us and looking forward to talking about that i'll talk about that sunday lord willing not tonight and then we also saw again the call to preach and proclaim um you know what this book it's not time to seal it up but it's time to proclaim it especially in the light of god's soon return which we see so clearly again in this last chapter of the book because not once not twice and last week we saw the second time and lord willing tonight we'll see the third time the lord saying i am coming quickly and tonight we'll see the holy spirit praying for jesus to come quickly we'll see our charge as the bride of christ to be saying yes come maranatha come soon lord jesus and so we'll be looking at that tonight as well as with a warning here in this text and again it's amazing how much god's word talks about god's word and there's a warning given here at the end of revelation and it's really regarding the entire word because this isn't the first time this warning has been given it's given in exodus it's given in proverbs as well that we're not to add or to take away from god's word and god says if you add to this word i'm going to add to him meaning that individual the plagues of this book and we'll talk about that and it says if you take away from it i'm going to take your name out of the book of life and so look at these are heavy exhortations here this is not a light matter god's word is not a light matter god's word is to be revered it's to be rightly divided and sadly again we're in a time where there's a lot of folks taking away from and adding to the word of god we know that end times church is the laodicean church and again we've talked about it so often the lukewarmness referred there in revelation 3 about laodicea it 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 doesn't you know the application of i'm on fire or i'm cold or i'm lukewarm that's a, that's a very secondary and and you know at a of a, a, a far um it's not the first application there it, it might be a secondary application of that again laodicea means opinion and they were mixing their opinion with god's word 
And whenever you start doing that, you're going to find yourself adding or taking away from the word of God. And that's why the Lord says, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. This is sickening to me. We got to stand on God's word and our opinions need to be checked by the word of God. And my opinion is contradictory to God's word Then my opinion needs to be crucified to take up the word of truth, which again, liberates and edifies and restores and brings healing and will stand far beyond again any man whose life's come and go like the grass of the field and the flower of the field and so forth as we read in again the word of god that his word of god endures forever so let's read the text here verse 16 to 21 we'll dive into this i'll you know in the scriptures there tonight we'll read some of them i'll probably just refer to some of them as well as we go through this there in your notes verse 16 i jesus have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches i am the root and the offspring of david the bright and morning star and the spirit and the bride say come and let him who hears say come and let him who thirst come whoever desires let him take the water of life freely for I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes from the words of this book, of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. That's Jesus speaking. Amen. Even so, come lord jesus the grace of our lord jesus christ be with you all amen i won't start preaching those last two lines but let's start up here with verse 16 now again the lord says i jesus have sent my angel to testify to you of these things and we should ask the question is this an example the lord's putting forth that we're to ask Jesus to send angels to testify of his truth. And the answer to that is absolutely not. This is Jesus saying, I've sent my angel to John to give him this revelation, which we see was recorded for his church written down. And absolutely, John is receiving this word and writing this word down as the Holy Spirit is moving upon him because the word of God was penned by holy men as they were moved by the holy spirit and so again the lord is giving him the direct revelation and he's going through an angel to do that again it's being recorded for us and absolutely it's being written by the holy spirit of god and so the testimony that we always again look to and we just touched on again the awesomeness of God's word and the reverence we should have for God's word. God's word is the final say on everything. You know, the scripture says God honors his word above his own name. Not to take the scriptures lightly. And again, we see throughout the word and we come across this a lot because we go through God's word verse by verse and it's a subject matter that comes up over and over again. Again, how do we get the testimony of God and the plan of salvation and who he is and who we are outside of him and who we are with him? Absolutely, it is through the scriptures. And so these things are being pinned as scripture. And it's very interesting, again, in Revelation, I think we get some deeper insight than we get in some of the other epistles and books and so forth of just 
the process, at least in this case, of how this was even pinned out. And, you know, in Romans, which we, which we just finished um, uh, the week before last, you know, in the midst of those greetings, it was uh, Tertullus, I believe is his name. He says, you know, I greet you. I'm the one that penned this book. And I just remember thinking about that. What, what, I wonder what the process of that was. You know, did, did God first give Paul a Holy Spirit-led outline? You know, or was it literally God just moving on him and, you know, this man pinning and trying to keep up? Or was there a Holy Spirit-led rough draft and things were cleaned up? I don't know. I do know this, that absolutely what we got is of the Holy Spirit and God has preserved it. I know there's 25,000 ancient copies and you're not going to find any other ancient books that even come close to God's word. And I just chuckle when people, well, you know, well, God's word, but you know what? Let's look to these old historians that we've got five or 10 copies of to see if God's word's valid. Look, it should be the other way around. There's no book that compares to God's word in the entire world. We're talking about 25,000 ancient copies that all read the same. But here again in Revelation, we get some insights on this. And that's just a little side note out there that, I don't know, I, I, I find it super interesting but absolutely, God's word is the standard. Those in Berea, remember Paul came with the Old Testament to show them that Jesus was the Messiah. And what did they do? They searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. They didn't say, God, send me an angel. Send me an angel so I know. Now, again, in Christ, we have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit concerning truth. But that truth is always going to be coming from the truth we receive from God's word. There's never be a, going to be a contradiction in any of that. And again, we test all things by what the word of God, not an emotion, not God send me an angel. It is by the scripture and God can bring other witnesses, but those are always going to line up again with the word of God. God's word is the final authority. And so notice here again, I, Jesus have sent my angel to testify to you these things and then notice in the churches. And this is very interesting because chapter two and three were the last time that we saw the word church used. Those seven letters to the seven churches there in Turkey, many believe that they represent seven periods of time, church history, and boy, a strong case could be made for that. But we do know the encouragements, the rebukes, the exhortations, all of that is for all of God's church. And all I know is this, is that I, I, I do not want to be a Laodicean church. And I think that's something we got to fight against all the time because we're in a Laodicean culture. I like that church of Philadelphia, a whole lot more. Lord, grant us grace to be reflective of that church that really upheld the word. And again, that church of Philadelphia where we get, you know, brotherly love, that we're walking in truth, we're walking in love. And he even says about that church, you have a little bit of strength, but again, you're gonna be seen through. I'm gonna even preserve you from the hour of trial that's coming on the whole world we want to you know be found in that place by god's grace but really after chapter four or going into chapter four you don't see the word church again until here and listen there's a reason for that remember again back there in revelation 119 and again we're recapping some stuff here write the things which you have seen 
He's getting the prophetic outline for the book of Revelation. This is being told to John. Write the things you have seen, the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. The things which he sees refers to, again, the ministry of Jesus, his death, his resurrection. The things which are, are the things which are still are right now, the church age that we're in. It's called the age of, again, the the Gentiles until Daniel's 70th week, the great tribulation when God deals directly with Israel. And then he says the things which are after this, the things after this are when the time of the church age ceases to be. Now, again, I firmly believe that's gonna happen at the beginning of the tribulation. I know God's gonna perfectly work it out, but as I've gone through God's word over the years and taught through it, this position is just, you know what, I'm just more and more, you know, it's more and more solidified in my heart as you understand again, God's plan for Israel, as well as in just things like this, that you don't read about, or you don't see the word church again till the end here. So what, why isn't church coming up over and over and over again during the great tribulation? Well, I firmly believe because we're, we're gonna be with the Lord. Because notice again, in verse in chapter four, verse one, again, the seven letters to the seven churches are written. And then he says, what after these things? And what did he tell him? Right, the things you've seen, the things that are, and the things which must take place after this, seven letters to the seven churches. And then after these things. So again, this is what's next. Chapter four shows us what's next. We are in the church age. And then after these things, I looked up and behold, the door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, come up here and I'll show you the things which must take place after this. And what do we see in chapter four and five? Again, remember we see those 24 elders on 24 thrones. It's a picture of completeness. They're taking their thrones and they're casting them at the feet of the Lord. And we sung it in song tonight. It's not not 44 individuals, but remember they say, they, they cry out together, you've redeemed us out of every tribe and every tongue and out of every nation and so forth. It's a picture of the church in glory. We don't see it called the church, but we see the church there because they're talking about being redeemed by the blood of the lamb. And again, 24 elders on 24 thrones and we've gone through it so much, the difference between the church and the tribulation saints. We sit on thrones, we get crowns, we judge the world you don't see that given to the tribulation saints so here we are at the end and once again we see the church specifically named again now again we'll see us coming back there in revelation 19 with the lord he comes with ten thousands of his saints we know that's the church we know we're the ones spoken of ruling and reigning in the thousand year reign of christ as well as those in the new heaven and earth you guys got a great future before you so Look at if you're if you're discouraged tonight, that in itself, look at that's a greater pick me up than than even the the glorious pastrami sandwiches. That we got a great future and hope, and plus the Lord's with us right now, and plus whatever you're going through, even tonight, God has told us that we plan our ways, but He directs us our steps, and He's good. He's good to us. And so again, we see the church here again. I point that out because again, we've been going through this and building on it. And this kind of brings us full circle of back, back there to the end of chapter three and chapter four. Then notice as well, these are being testified. It's God's word being testified 
in the churches and to the churches. And God has testified and given us his word not to seal it up, as we saw last week, but to proclaim it. We want to be a people, and again, you're going to hear me reiterate this in different ways tonight. We want to be a people in the word. We want to be a church declaring the word. We want to stand on the scriptures and test everything by God's word. I didn't get to read this on Sunday, and I'm not going to read it tonight either. But in Acts 20, Paul's there in Ephesus, and he's been with them for quite a long time. And he says, I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. So Paul says, why I've been with you, I've been teaching you God's word the whole time I'm with you. And then he talks about wolves coming and savage wolves from the outside, as well as being raised up amongst them, wanting to draw disciples after themselves with something other than the word. And then in verse 32, he says, so now, brethren, I commend you to, the, to God and to the word of his grace, notice, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. So Paul says, I taught you the word, not parts of it, but all of it, and now I'm commending you to the word. And these things have been testified, God's word to the churches. This is why as well, we are charged in 2 Timothy 4, 1, to preach the what? The word. And he says, be ready in season and out of season. Again, convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering teaching. And then he goes in those verses about the time will come when they won't endure it. And again, the time will come when so much of Christendom turns Laodicean. They won't endure the word. It says they'll heap up teachers to itch their ears they say let's bring some opinion in here let's you know that the world's got a different opinion about that and so let's kind of mix this together and you know what the things we like in god's word will take and then the opinions of the world the philosophies of men the doctrines of the demons will bring that together and then ta-da here you go and that's just pure poison that's not truth that liberates That's not truth that exhorts and encourages and heals and saves and all these other things. So again, we see it throughout the scriptures. We see it throughout Revelation. God's word has been given to the church not to be sealed up, but to proclaim, to put out there. Now notice this declaration from Jesus about Jesus. He says, I am the root of David. I am the root and the offspring of David. And this is interesting because Jesus is God. He said before Abraham was, I am. Jesus declares his own deity. We see throughout God's word that, again, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, is absolutely part of the creation. We know of, of the creator. Again, First uh, Colossians 1 15 and 16 he is the image of the invisible god the firstborn over all creation for by him all things were created that are in heaven and on earth visible invisible whether thrones dominions principalities or powers all things were created through him and for him so it's a declaration even where it says firstborn here it's not saying that you know what god had a baby and that's his firstborn it's a position of authority if you're the firstborn you're the head of everything and so it's a declaration of position and yet god the creator is the root of david he's the offspring of david so when he says i am jesus it's really a declaration of his deity i am as well as his humanity 
And again, we're kind of opening up a can of worms here that, that I, I don't want all them worms to get out and bring confusion. But listen, when Israel was waiting for the Messiah, they knew he would be in the line of King David, who was again in the line of, of Jesse, of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you know, going back through Noah, through Shem, all the way through Seth to Adam. And, and they knew, they were looking. This is how the wise men, again, you know what? They, they, they came to Bethlehem because things were proclaimed. They knew that would be the place the Messiah was born. And the Jews knew he would be born of the house of David. And yet the Lord addressed this issue with the Pharisees because they knew he was of the line of David. And yet in declaring that he was Messiah, he asked them this in Matthew twenty-two forty-one. It says, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them saying, what do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? And they said to him, well, the son of David. And that's what the Lord's proclaiming him here. I'm the root of David. I'm the offspring of David. David's my great, 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 great granddaddy. That's what he's saying here. And he said to them, how then does David in the spirit call him Lord? David in the spirit calls the Messiah Lord in the Psalms. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. If David calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one is able to answer him a word, nor from that day did anyone dare question him anymore. Because <laughs> like, oh yeah, how? Yeah, if he's David's son, how is he David's Lord? How is, he's da- how is he David's God if he's David's son? Don't, don't ask that anymore. Because Jesus is God Almighty, who humbled himself and took on the form of a man through the promised line of David as prophesied with so many other prophecies. So when the Messiah Messiah showed up, we would know he is the Messiah through those fulfilled prophecies through his life and so forth. And so again, this is a proclamation of his deity as well as his humanity that he took on to save us. What an awesome God that we serve. And I don't wanna go deeper than that in it because again, We'll spend the nest of our study in it and I wanna move on to what's next. Because next he says, I am the bright and the morning star. He's the bright and the morning star. You know, the, 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 the morning star always appears at the darkest time of night. We're in a pretty dark time, aren't we right now? And the scripture talks about dark times at the end of the age. Listen to some of these scriptures though. Psalm 34, sing praise to the Lord, you saints of his. I give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name for his anger is but for a moment. His favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Isn't that awesome? And there are days in this life that we weep. There are seasons, listen, I I go through seasons at times where, you know what, I'll I'll, I'll be kind of, sorrowful or just kind of feeling extra attacked or oppressed um and i've learned look at you just keep fighting you keep fighting you work your way through i know this i found the faithfulness of god again he's the shepherd he's the good shepherd and he brings us into green pastures right and we rejoice in that but let's remember david's saying there in psalm 23 i walk through the valley of the shadow of death and you get in a green pasture and yet eventually all the green in that pasture gets eaten up and God says on to the next pasture. 
And maybe tonight, you know, you're in that green pasture and it's just like, this is wonderful. It's like, you know, the sun is shining and there's joy in the morning and we have those seasons and we thank God for those seasons. But then again, there's these other seasons where I'm going through the valley of the shadow of death. And just remember this, if you're in that place tonight, again, the sun is coming practically. God's taking you through a time to bring you into another place. And listen, remember this. And, and, and this really stood out to me when we went through Psalm 23 a way long time ago. I don't even know when. But shadows can't hurt you. It's the shadow of the valley of death. And boy, the devil, he wants to intimidate with shadows. Remember when you're a little kid, you go camping or in your bedroom and you put the shadow up and you know what? You really scared the, the daylights out of your cousin or your little friend. You know, the hand is coming for us. Ah, you know, and you, you, you can really, don't, don't, don't go home and do that to your little children. But Pastor Steve said we could. That shadow can't hurt you though. It, it can't. And we know again, ultimately this is speaking of he's the bright morning star and that he is going to return. Joy is coming. And as we've seen in these previous chapters, it's gonna be an eternal joy. But there's a practical application as well. Look at the Lord sees, the Lord said we'll have trials and tribulations and persecutions, but he said as well that he's with us to the end of the age. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And we see the pattern of him taking us through these things. And that's why it's so important that you soldier on through tribulation. You soldier on through trials. You know, you think of the pictures of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego thrown in the fire. And boy, what a, what a horrible position. And they had opportunity to bend knee to Nebuchadnezzar and not go in there. And they said, nope, we're going with the Lord. He can save us or, or, or we might burn up. And again, we're in his hands though. And they got thrown in there. And then again, what was the payoff? Nebuchadnezzar says, I, I threw three in there, but I see four and the fourth looks like the son of God. I hope you're encouraged with that tonight. Look at the morning star also announces the fact that the sun, S-U-N practically, and the sun, S-O-N, is about to rise. And just like Jesus is called the Lamb of God, we know he's not a literal lamb. In Malachi 4, Jesus is referred to as the sun, S-U-N, though he is not the sun, and we're not to worship the sun, but an illustration is given. I think it's great encouragement. Malachi 4, 1, for behold, the days are coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will, stu- will, will be uh, stubble, and the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, that will leave neither root nor branch, but to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall arise, listen to this, with healing in his wings, and shall go out and grow fat like a stall-filled calf. You, you shall trample the wicked, for these shall be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day that I do this, says the Lord of hosts. So again, the son of righteousness. And again, it's S-U-N. It's not saying that go worship the S-U-N. It is like Jesus is the lamb of God. It is an illustration and a title of the Lord, of him being light, of him rising and again, we see at this end of the age, this is a reference to the great tribulation and so forth. And even the days we're living in, we have a great future, a great hope. Little side note here, and I, I'm, I'm not gonna read beyond the first part of verse 12, but Satan tried to take Jesus's position as the uh, bright and morning star. 
And it says there, how you have fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. And it refers to stars there and how he tried to raise himself up above the throne of God. That doesn't work. Doesn't work out well. Verse 17. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. And throughout this chapter, we've seen the father, we've seen the son and now we see the holy spirit we see the trinity as we see throughout god's word there's one god and again he is one and yet he has revealed himself in three persons that are individual while one at the same time and if you run into anyone that says i can explain that they can't it's it's way beyond the comprehension of my you know what is it two or eight pounds or five and a half, whatever pound brain here. And it's clear enough to understand, but the depths of it go beyond our comprehension. And I rejoice in that. I, I thank God that my God is beyond my comprehension. You know, some people, their God is their car and they know they can fully comprehend it. They know how, why it does what it does and so forth. My God is greater than all of that. And so the Spirit of God in the midst of this, the Holy Spirit of God, this is incredible. The Holy Spirit prays, come. The Holy Spirit is praying, come soon, Lord Jesus. That's an incredible thought. We saw in Romans that the Holy Spirit makes groanings in us and prays in a depth in our life beyond our comprehension and we took comfort in that that jesus intercedes for us the holy spirit intercedes for us they're again praying to the father and we see the holy spirit here praying for the coming of the lord jesus christ and this is the thing when we get into the place where we're not yearning for the coming of the lord jesus christ or you get around certain individuals or even ministries they say hey, don't worry about the coming of jesus christ that's the last thing you should be talking about that's the last thing that should be on your mind boy that doesn't line up with the holy spirit does it that's not saying that you can't enjoy your life and be thankful and be productive and we should live our life there should be planning there of you know what i might live another 50 years or whatever but all of it is under the banner of jesus can come today and so what i'm doing i do it under the lord Again, as we've been saying, it's not a call for a death wish. It's a call to life, to live my life to the fullest here for the Lord because he's coming soon. And I know I'm gonna live eternity to the fullest because he is coming soon. Also, side note here, it's another passage that shows us the Holy Spirit is not a force. This isn't Star Wars. The Holy Spirit is a person. Think there of, 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 of Acts 5.3, Peter uh, Ananias and Sapphira they've lied about a whole thing which we won't get into but Peter said Ananias why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and then a few verses down he said you haven't lied to men but to God it's a declaration of the deity of the Holy Spirit as well as the person of the Holy Spirit and we need to know that and again he prays Jesus come soon come we're yearning Maranatha the Holy Spirit is saying Maranatha come soon lord jesus and then notice again the bride says come and who's the bride is jesus your lord tonight can you say amen to that then you're the bride and i'm the bride again second corinthians 11 to be for i have betrothed you to one husband 
that I may present you a chaste virgin to Christ. It's imagery. It's to help us understand. We, we're familiar with the marriage covenant, the intimacy of it. So it's really the closest relationship we can find here on earth to describe our relationship with God. It's different than a husband and wife. But again, that love there, that closeness, that adoration that should be given spouse to spouse, God has that towards us. We've entered into covenant with him. We're secure in him and so forth. And we should rejoice in that. It's, listen, men, it's not an attack on, on, on your, you know, I'm a man though. And no, again, it's not a commentary on that. We should be men. We're, we're, we're called to be men. Go read 1 Corinthians. It ends with, look at, be men. This is talking about that relationship with God, that closeness with God. And we know when we got saved, we received the Holy Spirit. We were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 1 tells us that. And so our prayers should be spirit-led prayers. And when we are praying, come soon, Lord Jesus, or Maranatha, as we see here at the end of the book, again, that is a spirit-led unction. And if you found in life, again, maybe you're going through one of those trials and you start calling out to God, and, and you just say, I, I need to get on my face and draw near to God. There, there's way more of a, of a, of a welling up and, a, and a, a, a river of life, you know, at, you know, at bursting up saying, come, come, Lord Jesus. But have you found when, you know, you're in a place where, where perhaps you don't have that same zeal and the fleshly pursuits start overtaking the pursuit of the Lord and the balance gets off or the order gets off, there's less of a thirst for the Lord to come. And then the Lord always brings that correction. You're like, okay, yeah, this didn't fulfill. Come Lord Jesus. (laughs) And so I just encourage you again, we want to live our life to the fullest. But when you get into a place where that yearning of the Lord isn't there, there, that's, that's an internal problem. It really is. That should be a red flag because the Holy Spirit cries out and the Holy Spirit, again, indwells the bride and the bride cries out, come. That's the picture of a spirit-filled, spirit-led Christian. And when there's people, oh, don't talk to me about the coming of the Lord. Oh, I don't want, oh, that frightens me. That's usually a, 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 a theological problem. They're not grounded in the scripture. Or it could be, again, a fleshly problem. They're more consumed with the things of the world. Guys, this life is short. Eternity's gonna last forever. And it's not to say that we can't live again. We, we should be living the most productive lives in all the world because Jesus is our Lord, amen? And it doesn't mean we shouldn't be getting stuff done. We should be getting stuff done, but let's get it done to the glory of God, amen? But when we're so into getting stuff done that we're like, oh Lord, I'm just so getting stuff done and I'm doing it for me and I'm building my little kingdom. Oh Lord, don't come. The bride says, come. The spirit who indwells the bride says, come. The Holy Spirit in you, again, is crying out, come Lord Jesus. Because again, God knows what he has for us is so much better than where we are in this fallen world. And yet he's with us in this fallen world. So listen, if you have fallen asleep in these things, wake up. Again, I think about the virgins, they're all given oil and yet even, well, they all have lamps and yet even the five with the oil fell asleep. 
Give us oil in the lamp, Lord, and keep it burning. Amen. And then again, let him who thirst come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. And the Lord's calling out to the unbeliever here. He's knocking on the door of the heart. We know the Holy Spirit convicts the whole world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, saying, come, come, come and drink, come and get saved, come and cry out for that salvation. Notice, come and drink freely. Some people say, well, I'll drink, but I'm paying for it. Well, you can never earn it. You can never pay for it. We see several accounts of that in the scripture. Remember Simon the sorcerer wanted to pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to lay hands on and so forth. And you know what? Peter says, may your money perish with you. In other words, you're going to hell. You need to repent. Pretty huge exhortation there or rebuke there. Because if you try to buy it with your own effort, you'll fail to receive it. Well, I'm too prideful to take it freely. Well, then you ain't gonna get it. You're not gonna get washed. You're not gonna get saved. Because us are standing up saying, well, I am good enough. We're not, we're sinners. But the Lord says, humble your heart and come take freely. He paid the price and he did it joyfully. So just come and drink, come and rejoice. Rest in the finished work of the cross. And then as believers, let's just keep going back to that well. Fill me afresh with your spirit, God. Fill me with the joy of the Lord. Meet me where I'm at. He wants to freely pour out upon his people. Now notice 18 down through 19. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of this prophecy of this book, if anyone, and then notice everyone and anyone, this is no partiality. It say everyone, anyone, but there's an exception clause. Clause. These certain people, you know, they can, and boy, don't you even dare scrutinize them because, you know, they're, they're at a higher level than the rest of us. There's none of that. Because usually people that add and take away want to put themselves in that place, especially when they get huge followings, as some of them do. But he says, for I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book, of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city and from the things which are written in the book. Now, again, some read this and they just think this is about revelation, but this is about revelation and the totality of scripture. Notice back in Deuteronomy 4.2, there in what some would call the Torah, the first five of the books of the Bible, the law given, you shall not add to the word which I command you, nor take away from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. The Pharisees tried to add a lot to God's word. They added a lot of traditions and so forth. You know, at one point they're, they're, they're flabbergasted because Jesus and his disciples are eating and they said, he didn't wash his hands. And it wasn't because they were in the midst of a pandemic and you're supposed to do your ABCs and then scrub real good so no one gets sick. It had nothing to do with that. They had added to God's law. They had said, look, to keep you from sinning over here, we're gonna add this. And there's a ceremonial washing that you're supposed to go through as traditions of men, but they held it up like the word of God. And the Lord says, I don't listen to traditions of men. I, I Look at 
So many people got a misconception of the Lord. The Lord just went around and ruffled feathers everywhere he went. And so many times he just did it deliberately. I'm reading through Luke right now, and I just love how the Lord just keeps healing on the Sabbath to get these guys. Just a needle. I'm like, oh, no, I'm, I'm any day. We're healing on the Sabbath, you know? Tent revival, healings this Sabbath. To show these guys, they had added to God's word. They had added to the Sabbath, and it became just a big burden on people. And boy, the Lord rebuked them hard. Said, I don't, I don't follow the traditions of men. And listen, in, in Christendom, there's a lot of traditions for men that have come up and have been added in so many places and, and so many groups that put the traditions of men above God's word. They're adding to God's word. In some cases, they're taking away from God's word. And this is a serious charge here. Again, if you add to God's word, I'm gonna add to him the plagues in this book. He's talking about individuals here. He's not talking about, you know, okay, we're, getting, we're going with nine trumpet judgments now. No, he's talking about the individual. And no doubt that is a commentary. Well, it could be a commentary on the here and now. Or, and that would be better in hopes that someone would repent. Or it, again, it's a commentary on a, a, a deeper place of torment in hell for eternity. And we see that there's different levels of those in eternity. It's all hell outside of Christ, but you see that in God's word. And I would hope, I would hope that we would have a reverence for God and all he's saying about his word to make ourselves step back and say, I don't want to add to the word. I don't want to take away from the word. Again, I'll take your part from the book of life. So in other words, this is a picture of an unbeliever. They're, they're not in the book of life because they don't have a reverence for God's word. They want to add to it. They want to take away from it. Very popular today, what is called salad bar Christianity. And when it comes to the scripture, people say, well, it's a salad bar. Well, I like that, but I don't like that. I like a little bit of this, but I don't want that. And I got my little Bible over here. There's a group, they call themselves the red letter Christians. They're, they're a very pious group. We just listen, we just read the red letters of Jesus. We don't like that, Paul. If you read Romans 1, oh, he's way off over there. They're taking away from God's word. I'm, I'm gonna break it down to you. It's all red letters. It's all red letters. And I'll tell you this, you just, want, you, you, don't want to stick, you just want to stick to the red letters? The red letters are going to tell you the same thing the rest of the letters tell you as well. Because I guarantee you, they're salad barring the red letters. Because Jesus talks about hell more than anybody in the entire Bible. And again, these red letter folks, most of them are universalists. Everyone's going to heaven. You know, it's hippie Jesus and his split window VW, you know. He, he's going to the sinners to hang out and party and whatnot. And they leave off that he told them all to repent. They leave all that out. They take away from God's word. A number of years back, a guy came and I don't know, I guess he heard good things about the church, which I was happy about. And he's like, well, I'm a red letter Christian. And I'm thinking, this guy ain't gonna last one Sunday. I never saw him again. <laughs> and I said something like, well, we teach all the Bible. And I'm kind of like, oh, you're one of those Paul guys. No, I'm... I'm, I'm a whole word of God guy. Even there's so many modern, they call them new age translations. 
and cults get hold of the Bible. Think about John 1, 1 and the New World Translation, which the Jehovah Witness, they got their own Bible and they say 50 scholars worked on it, but we won't tell you their names because we don't, you know, we don't want to exalt men. Nah, what happened is a guy got a King James and just started adding words and scratching them out. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. And they just said, well, let's put an A there. The word was a God. Bro, you just added to God's word. And then they say, we're saved by our works and Jesus is an angel and it just goes downhill from there. Look, we wanna stand in the word. We wanna make it our aim to rightly divide the word. Notice 2 Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and idle babblings. Our new world translations, new age translations, for they'll increase to more ungodliness and their message will spread like cancer. And boy, God's prophetic word nails it again. So again, we rightly divide the word, all of it. We're not called to hurdle over difficult passages or things that are not politically correct in today's politics, in today's culture. And if you notice, that's most of God's word. <laughs> we're not to water down or twist to appease men. We're to be unashamed of the word of God. And the Lord says, if we're ashamed of his word, he'll be ashamed of us. And then on top of all of this, and then we'll close this out. Why would you want to? Guys, hear this tonight. God's word's good. God's word is a bread of life. God's word has never stirred me wrong. I can tell you that 100%. God's word has always been right, has always brought life. When I've been rebellious against areas, it's never worked out good until I finally bent knee and go, okay, God, you're right. Let's, I'm gonna do it your way. I wanna yield to God's word. Go read the book of Proverbs and tell me you think a man wrote that. Those are all good things there. They're there to protect you practically. They're to help you with relationships and more so to help you in relationship with God, which is of greater importance than anything else. Jeremiah 15, 16, your words were found and I ate them. And your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Are you eating up God's word? Like, well, I got a little room after that pastrami. Look at If you don't have an appetite for God's word, it's because you're not in God's word. You, you can fast for like 40 days and your stomach will go to sleep. And like, you know, after the first few days, you can go without, you can get to the place where you're not even craving the food. And that's what happens a lot of times with people. You gotta stir up that, stir up that appetite. Get in God's word. Get that appetite going. I'll tell you, it'll satisfy all at the same time give you a hunger for more colossians three sixteen. let the word of christ dwell richly in all in you and all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another i love this in psalms hymns spiritual songs singing with grace in your hearts to the lord i love that last song we sung it was beautiful and I'm like this is this is this is scripture who's worthy he is <laughs> I go, turn off that guy's microphone. 
<laughs> Anyhow, notice here, verse 20, he, he who testifies to these things says, and this is speaking, this is Jesus, surely I am coming quickly. Amen, even so come Lord Jesus. Jesus testifies over and over and over again, three times in this last chapter of the Bible, I am coming quickly. Look, and he testifies to the harsh things in the scripture or what, what fallen man would call harsh. He testifies to the blessings abounding throughout the scriptures. And he testifies to the fact that he is coming quickly. And guess what? He's not a liar. He's not a liar. It's impossible for God to lie. He told this to the disciples again. John 14, 3, and I will go and prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. And this is just so clear, but there, even in this area, there's so many people taking away from God's word. Well, the Lord's not coming back. There is no rapture of the church. Things are just gonna continue on. You, you hear that in, in a lot of Christian circles today or whatever circle it would actually be. We are in a time when the coming of the Lord is being mocked being scoffed at and yet the lord who does not lie says surely i am coming quickly well two thousand years that's not quick maybe not from our perspective from the lord's it is and again we've seen how he talks about birth pains and when you start seeing them happen in secession and quicker and quicker and more and more tense he's referring this is a reference to that as well when you see that happening you need to know i am coming quickly the behold the judge stands at the door and we're seeing that in the world today again the other day reading in luke it talks about how it'll be like the days of noah and the days of lot and the thing about lot when it came to the sin and, and sodom and the sin of homosexuality the thing about it when those angels came it doesn't say, oh, you know, down in that one district of Sodom, all the men came out. It says they came from all the quarters. That sin had taken over the whole community where if they weren't participating in, they celebrated it. Oh, Steve, why do you got to go there? It's called the Bible is why. And God loves all those folks, wants to save them, wants to wash them. But listen, that's the primary sin of Sodom. Pride was part of it too. But the predominant sin spoken of in Jude and Second Peter and other places was, again, the sin of homosexuality. But more so was the fact that it was the norm. It was, they weren't ashamed of it. They all came out. Hey, Bob, how you doing? I see you worked here. Oh, I see those two fellows that came in. No shame whatsoever. That's not just an American thing. That's become a, a, a world thing. To the point where, look at, there's so many people that hear me even say that. Oh, that, you're the problem up there. We need to get rid of you. Oh, that hate monger up there. No, I, I've, I, I want to share the truth with people because the truth will set them free. Because I know any sinful lifestyle is a dirty lifestyle. It's one that doesn't bring life. Doesn't bring a restoration. We can all testify to that in this room before Christ, right? Versus walking in the Lord. I don't want to be ashamed of God's word in the midst 
of a wicked and perverse generation that I have been saved out of? And that's just one of the many areas, though. I mean, for goodness sakes, and I I won't go on a rant because we're going to finish out the book here, but did you ever think the time would come when they're trying to make normal turning little boys to little girls and little girls? Guys, don't, don't get your heart hard into this. These are major issues. This is an assault on the children of our nation and of our world. And are we just going to stand around or are, are we, are we going to be like so many of those churches in World War II when they knew the Jews were on the train going to the concentration camp and they said, sing a little louder so we don't hear it out there? Or are we going to be part of the remnant that says, no, we're going to shout truth from the housetop. We're going to do it tactfully. We're going to do it in love, but we're not going to be ashamed of God's word. And these things are happening rapidly and that just so many different errors, wars, rumors of wars, on and on and on. He who testifies to these things says, surely I'm coming quickly, amen. So be it with authority as the final and supreme voice. When Jesus says amen, that's what that amen is. And then even so come Lord Jesus. This is the response from the bride it's where again it's one word really in the greek maranatha come soon come soon lord jesus and i want that to be something always in my heart and i want a red flag when that's not there because that's what the holy spirit's crying out maranatha come soon lord jesus oh steve you want to just ruin our good time no i know god has better things for us And again, I want to walk in the joy of the Lord now. Abound in it. In fact, it's God's will for me to rejoice in all things, to pray without ceasing and in everything to give thanks. It's God's will for that. That's his will for you as well. And then notice 21. Oh, we'll save that for next week. No, we'll finish here. (laughs) The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Amen. And we talked a lot about this recently there in Romans. Remember Paul prays there in Romans 16, is it 20 and 21? The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you, amen. And the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all, amen. And again, we talked about without grace, we got nothing. We're saved by grace through faith and through the life of the Lord laid down, dying for sinners, taking the wrath to us upon himself. He gave the gift of his life. He laid it down, but he took it back up because he was without sin. We receive salvation, the grace of God when we cry out to him. And again, you see this all the time in the word of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all, amen. That's just like the standard. That's not like the what's up of that day, but you really don't care, right? It's not that. It's a prayer. The grace of God be with you all, amen. Lord, let the grace of God be with us all. Let us be found abounding in grace. Give us grace to hear. And it's grace that we heard. It's God's grace that we believed. It's God's grace that we responded. It's by God's grace that we're saved. We need God's grace to grow. To thirst for the word talked about here. Again, God satisfies yet wants to create a thirst for more. I want that. Bible says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they'll be filled. 
And then notice what he says, be with you all. There's enough grace to go around for everybody. Isn't that good news? And I just encourage you as you've received it, let's, let's extend it as well. Can we say amen to that? Amen. Well, let's stand up. Or you can be seated. <laughs> I think you that, that probably help get that, that food's been sitting there. I'm not quite sure what will be next week yet. I know that I'm, I'm 99% sure we're going to go into the book of Joshua. Um, and I'm super excited about that. It is a phenomenal book. You know, especially if you feel like you've been in a wilderness, looking in Joshua, they enter into the promised land. It's a fascinating book as well, boy. You know what? Some of these individuals they deal with these giants and so forth that's very interesting and i'll tell you there's a lot of insight there on how to get giants slayed in our lives you know joshua it's where you know we get the name of jesus yeshua from and it's just phenomenal there's so many pictures of jesus and so forth so i know we're, we're, we're going there i don't know if we'll be there next week or we'll do something for a week or two in between we'll we'll lord willing know that by sunday but I hope that, uh, you know what, you, you come out for whatever that is on when, next week and then through the, the book of Joshua. And I know it's going to be awesome and it's going to be good. So Heavenly Father, we praise you tonight. We just thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you for this assembly of believers, of people who name the name of Jesus, of people who love you, Lord. God, it's, it's, just, it's rich, it's good, God, to come together. We don't want to forsake that. We thank you, God, that tonight we've gotten to worship you together lord we've gotten to break bread together we've been in the word together god and i want to pray your great blessing god on every saint here i do pray god that lord that that prayer that maranatha would be in our hearts lord and um you know god it would be absolutely stirred up by the spirit of god and we would just have that right biblical lord viewpoint and perspective in all things god Listen, if you're here tonight, you don't know the Lord. The Lord says, come. Come and drink freely. Today's the day of salvation. Look at our sin separates us from God, but again, Jesus is the way. He's made the way, the only way of forgiveness. The only way to have right standing with God Almighty. And the scripture says, whoever will call on his name will be saved. That's not a small thing. That's not some little prayer I said that I'm about my business. You're asking Jesus to be the Lord of your life. But there's no Lord like him. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he wants to do mighty things in your life. He wants to meet you where you're at. We have to put faith in him and that involves repenting. That means I'm turning from what my Lord is to put my faith in Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I'm, I'm turning from my way. I'm putting trust in him. He wants to meet you where you are even tonight. If you don't know him, I, I, I would so encourage you to call on his name. So God, we thank you, we praise you. And Lord, again, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for the study and revelation. And I, I believe that we confirm it is true that what it says there in the first chapter, blessed is he who reads and hears and keeps the words of this prophecy. And Lord, we've been blessed. And I pray God that we can continue to 
walk in that blessing, keeping your word before us and in our hearts, God. So we ask and pray these things tonight in Jesus' name, and we sit together. Amen. Amen. God bless you.